Today on the Matt Wall Show, Chris Pratt has been trending on social media all week, thanks in large part to leftists who think he might be a Trump supporter because he didn't attend a Biden fundraiser with other Marvel actors. This is how the modern witch hunt works. We'll talk about that. Also, five headlines, including Biden finally responding to the Hunter Biden scandal, sort of, and the city of Miami holds a press conference because people are offended by a face mask worn by a Miami police officer. This was, uh, there was a, a press conference was necessary for this issue. Finally, in our daily cancellation, I will cancel birthdays. All of that coming up. But first, I want to tell you about an exciting new sponsor, Mack Weldon. You know, I'll tell you what, what I love most about Mack Weldon. The clothes fit great. They're comfortable. They look great. It can be really hard to, to get all three of those in one item of clothing. But with Mack Weldon, you can. You know, the new normal uniform has a, a lot of us searching our closets and drawers for men's essentials that aren't there. Instead of the usual business casual button-ups and jeans, it's soft-knit polos, tees, joggers, active shorts, whatever men's basics you need, though. Mack Weldon has you covered with unmatched comfort and fit. Socks, shirts, hoodies, underwear, polos, active shorts. Mack Weldon promises comfort and a consistent fit, and there's a lot of versatility to Mack Weldon clothing. They look great, they feel great from working out, going out, going to work, uh, or if you're out on a date, whatever it is, Mack Weldon is for everyday life. You, you, you have to be in your clothes all day, you know, uh, especially when you're out in public. It's advised to keep them on. And that means they should be comfortable and they should be stylish too. So for 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash Walsh. Enter promo code Walsh. That's MacWeldon.com slash Walsh. Promo code Walsh for 20% off. All right. Well, you know, if you had the misfortune of living in 17th century colonial Massachusetts, uh, it would not have taken much for you to be labeled a witch. Those suspected of witchcraft and executed for it didn't need to be seen flying through the air on a broom. Some were burned simply for associating with others who were suspected of being witches. Some for having certain physical traits thought to be marks of witchery. Um, your age, your gender, your social class, your family, all of these were thought to be passive clues, potentially indicating that you are a witch or possibly a witch or witch adjacent. Now, we would like to think that Things are different now in our enlightened times. But humans are humans, and the witch trials were born from the very human tendency to invent new enemies in our heads and then to suddenly find them everywhere we turn. We have many such boogeymen in our culture. They're, they're, they're more likely to be punished with mockery and alienation rather than incineration, but as we've seen, the latter option, incineration, hasn't been taken off the table entirely, especially recently. Uh, the actor Chris Pratt, has experienced all of this this week, and not for the first time, uh, experiencing the wrath of the modern witch hunters. His suspected crime, being a Christian, a conservative, and worst of all, a Trump voter. Now, while Pratt is a professed Christian and does seem to perhaps be more politically conservative than the average Hollywood celebrity, which is sort of like calling him cleaner than the average dumpster cat, uh, there's no reason to actually think that Chris Pratt supports Trump. There's even less reason to care if he does or doesn't. But the witch hunters on the left cannot tolerate dissent, even theoretically, and especially not from someone in a profession or demographic group of which they have claimed, claimed ownership. And that is why Pratt has been trending on social media all week for days now. Not because leftists are outraged by things that he has said or beliefs he has professed, which would be bad enough if that were the reason but because of their suspicions about beliefs he might hold. As Twitter describes it, you can see there here on their trending section, uh, the Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt controversy 
that has sparked over 260,000 tweets is focused on, quote, his alleged political and religious beliefs. Now, this seems to have started with news that some Avenger actors are taking part in a Joe Biden uh, virtual fundraiser cringily titled Voters Assemble. Marvel luminaries like Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Mark Ruffalo, Don Cheadle, Paul Rudd, Zoe Saldana all volunteered for the noble cause. But a few actors were missing from the Biden fundraiser roster, and this fact became cause for great concern. Now, it was apparently decided that some of the missing superheroes should be given an excused absence because they're not from this country, like the guy who plays Spider-Man. Spider-Man's off the hook. But Chris Pratt has no such alibi. And this raised suspicion. As an article in the AV Club put it, quote, the fundraiser will feature a trivia game and Q&A, which we hope will at least be partially dedicated to asking about every single member of the Avengers who isn't there. A good number of them aren't from the U.S., so we can't expect them to clean up our mess in this dumb country. But this is the second one of these Biden fundraiser reunion things that Chris Pratt has missed out on. We theorized last time that he's either a Republican or just wants everyone to get along and can't endorse anyone since he's all buff and churchy now. But we'll have to wait and see what happens if the Biden campaign organizes an Everwood reunion. From there, it was off to the races with great numbers of people attacking Chris Pratt for what they assume his political views probably are. And the circumstantial evidence that Pratt secretly wears MAGA hats in his spare time goes beyond his absence at a Biden fundraiser. We should note he also also attends, according to leftist critics, including fellow actor Ellen Page, uh, an anti-LGBT church. So that's a red flag. Plus, as Vanity Fair points out, quote, Pratt's personal life has also led to speculation about his politics. Last year, uh, Pratt married Catherine Schwarzenegger, daughter daughter of Arnold Schwarzenegger, a longtime Republican. Though the article points out that Catherine publicly supports Biden. So at least someone in the Pratt household isn't a white supremacist. That's good. Uh, Other media outlets have have weighed in. Now, listen to this. Newsweek ran a fact check analyzing the claims that Pratt is, quote, allegedly a Republican and Trump supporter. The article sifts through all the clues, uh, you know, looking at all the different evidence, eventually landing on the verdict of unknown. Newsweek says, we cannot verify if Pratt is a Trump supporter because he hasn't confirmed it. The Hollywood actor has not shown any support publicly for the president for the president or his Democratic challenger, Joe Biden. But unknown isn't good enough, especially when Pratt, as some on Twitter have pointed out, follows uh, n- notorious Nazis like Ben Shapiro and Dan Crenshaw. If Pratt wants to absolve himself of his assumed thought crimes, he has to come out and publicly support Biden and denounce Trump. Anything less will be insufficient. Now, to their credit, many of Pratt's castmates have come to his defense uh, against the slobbering mindless hordes, but they've come in for harsh harsh criticism because of that, especially Zoe Saldana, who uh, was attacked with racial slurs by the racially tolerant left. One person calling her a nasty biracial woman. Another saying they're, quote, tired of defending your cracker-loving ass. Adding, of course, shut up along with many other comments that I I just can't read out loud. All of this, again, it cannot be emphasized enough. Merely because of political views that the man might hold. So gone are the days when people can be viciously attacked for the opinions they express. Well, those days are still here. But we're now living in a time when you can be attacked for opinions you did not express. Silence is violence, as the slogan goes. And the people who say that really mean it. Now, I don't say this just because I'm a conservative. It really is true. 
that only one side of the ideological divide behaves this way. And that's at least partially a reflection of just how dominant and mainstream leftism is. It still positions itself, of course, as the counterculture, but it isn't. It is the culture. And now, having won every major battle and seized nearly all of the cultural power, it can concern itself with issues like Chris Pratt's theoretical political leanings. Only the dominant culture and the dominant cultural narrative can demand allegiance to this extent. Counterculture movements aren't usually the ones conducting witch hunts. And this is what makes all the talk about resistance from the left so absurd. What are you resisting? What is the resistance resisting? You own everything. Just this week, Sony became the latest of dozens and dozens of billion-dollar corporations to endorse Black Lives Matter. And this only a few days after was announced that one of the Marxist co-founders of BLM has inked a major deal with Warner Brothers. What type of counterculture movement has billion-dollar sponsors and contracts with major Hollywood studios? A fraudulent one. That's what type. The left dresses up in costumes, the costume of outsiders and radicals, and complains about alleged oppression, and then they charge out into the street to fight enemies they've already defeated, and monsters that don't exist. So instead, they burn down a CVS, steal a few armloads of shoes, call it a day, go home, tweet about why a Marvel actor is persecuting them by not saying anything at all. This is the behavior of the comfortable, the victorious, and the bored. And that's what leftism is. But what it is not, certainly, most of all, is counterculture. Let's get to our five headlines. Well, you know, we think of life insurance as this uh, scary and overwhelming thing, but it doesn't have to be. You know, and, and we talk about it, it is Halloween this month, and, and so I think Policy Genius would like to mark the occasion by making something a little bit less scary. We've got enough scary things in our lives. Uh, life insurance. Shopping for life insurance can seem like a daunting task, but Policy Genius just makes it really easy. They combine a cutting edge insurance marketplace with help from licensed experts to save you time and money. And it's all about ease. It's all about, this is what they're talking about. You just go to Policy Genius. You could save up to 50% or more by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance. When you're shopping for a policy that could last for more than a de decade, those savings really start to add up. So you think 50% already sounds like a good deal. Think about how long you're going to have the life insurance policy. Here's how it works. First, you head to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much coverage you need and compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. Um, policy Genius will, will, uh, will compare policies starting as little as $1 a day, and they're going to look at all these policies. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork, all the red tape, uh, and that's it on, on your end. They're, they're doing everything. All you got to do, just take the initiative, go to policygenius.com. So if you need life insurance, head to policygenius.com right now to get started. You could save 50% or more by comparing quotes. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. Well, Joe Biden has for the first time answered a question about the Hunter Biden email, sort of. Um, it's amazing. Well, not amazing, but it should be amazing that he was able to go this long without being forced to answer about this. And, uh, and he was finally asked about it during a, uh, an interview with a local reporter in Wisconsin. So it wasn't even a, of course, if he was on CNN or MSNBC, this, this question would not have come up. But uh, he was on a local news channel in Wisconsin. And here's how that went. So Wisconsin's Republican Senator Ron Johnson put out a statement on Homeland Security letterhead saying Hunter Biden, together with other Biden family members, profited off the Biden name. Is there any legitimacy 
to Senator Johnson's claims. None whatsoever. This is the same garbage Rudy Giuliani, Trump's henchman. It's a last-ditch effort in this desperate campaign to smear me and my family. Even the man who served with him on that committee, the former nominee for the Republican Party, said there's no basis to this. And, you know, and, all, and the vast majority of the intelligence people have come out and said there's no basis at all. Ron should be ashamed of himself. Now, notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say that the emails are a fabrication. He doesn't even mention the emails. He doesn't say that they're a fabrication. He doesn't say they're fake. He doesn't say the laptop story is a hoax. Um, he doesn't say that. He denies. Okay, he doesn't confirm it explicitly. But he doesn't say, if these were a hoax and just made up, I mean, if someone, if, if Rudy Giuliani or, or whoever is making this up, and that is the claim you still get from the left, and the media. If that were the case, then Joe Biden would say so. He would come out and say, this is totally made up and ridiculous. Doesn't say that. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's, it's just not credible then at this point to say that it's a hoax or Russian disinformation when even Joe Biden himself is not saying that. All right. Um, number two, a video has been making the rounds online. It apparently shows a city official fining a restaurant owner in New York for the crime of... No, he wasn't, he wasn't like having indoor diners when he wasn't supposed to. Or, no, he just he had his door open, apparently. That's the crime. And this is what happened. Because my doors are open, I want to understand. Look, if you don't want to, you don't need to sign it. I know you're recording me. That's fine. I'm allowed to record you. I'm going to give you a copy then. You're giving me a ticket because my doors are open, sir? The charge is spelled out here. There's nobody sitting in the restaurant. Everything is okay. You're giving me a ticket because my doors are open? What if my store is hot? I'm not allowed to open the door because the store is hot? Everything is spelled out in the summons. I'm going to give you a copy. And I'm going to leave. Can I have your name, please? Is, is it in the report? But it's not fair that only because my doors are open and I'm getting a violation. You know, I'm struggling here every single day. It's hard for me. And there was nobody inside the store, obviously, because we don't have dining. We only have takeout. There was nobody in the store, and I'm only getting a ticket because my doors are open. Uh, can you just please repeat that sentence why I'm getting a violation? Is because I was oper I'm operating in a red zone with what? What is that? In a red zone, uh, you're only supposed to do pickup and delivery at the door. Everything spelled out here in the summer. So, what, but I'm doing pickup and delivery. When the guy walked in, I told him to step outside. That was not good enough. I'm not here to argue. I'm just reporting. That's enraging, obviously. Uh, the, 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 and you want to talk about being unified and bipartisan, if that's possible at all. This should be bipartisan rage at something like that. I don't know what that business owner's politics are. doesn't matter to me. It's completely insane. It's, it's hard enough. If, you're, if you are a restaurant owner, you know this, or in many other businesses too. Um, hard enough to stay afloat. But when you have local government officials, local little petty tyrants coming in, trying to make it even harder for you. Completely arbitrary reasons. He had the door open. So what? What's, what's the fear here? That, uh, that, that you know, he has the coronavirus and it'll somehow escape from the door and float down the street and attack somebody? What, 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 what is the fear? What's, what's the worst case scenario? Keeping the door open. In what way is that going to contribute to the... 
isn't it better to have it open, have air circulation? Speaking of which, speaking of not having air circulation, um, this is at a, a different restaurant, also in New York. A new innovation here. You can see bubble dining. So we've got people who are sitting outside, you know, at a, outside of a restaurant at, at a table, but they're in plastic bubbles. And th this, again, is, is the flaw, one of the many flaws in the do-something approach that I talk about. This, this restaurant figured that we got to do something. If something's better than nothing. Oh, we'll just put them in bubbles. No, no. In fact, it's not better than nothing. Nothing would be a lot better in this case. Because now, rather than people eating outdoors with lots of air circulation, where the risk of transmission is very low, um, now they're in a very tight, enclosed space with other people sitting and talking for extended periods of time. The waiters have to enter the bubble to take the order, and presumably the next group of people are going to be in, in that bubble too. So some of the particles ejected by the one group will still be floating in the air, and then someone else gets into the bubble. Another group. Oh yeah, but I'm sure I'm sure the, the you know the, the wait staff will come and spray it down with a little Lysol. That'll kill everything. That'll be fine. So this you you could not think of a if you were trying to come up with a, a way, like a mechanism by which to transmit the coronavirus. You couldn't think of a better way. This is a very efficient coronavirus transmission um, device. Is is what they've come up with in the name of protecting people from the coronavirus. When they could have done nothing and just let people eat outside. Or you know what, even eat inside. You're going to put them in bubbles. Why not just put them inside? Number three, a new Biden ad played during a game one of the World Series. As a side note, I just now learned that the World Series is happening. So that's, that's interesting. Uh, this ad is getting some buzz. People saying it's a great ad. Tell me what you think. There is only one America. No Democratic rivers. No Republican mountains, just this great land and all that's possible on it with a fresh start. Cures we can find, futures we can shape, work to reward, dignity to protect. There is so much we can do if we choose to take on problems and not each other and choose a president who brings out our best. Joe Biden doesn't need everyone in this country to always agree. Just to agree, we all love this country and go from there. I'm Joe Biden and I approve this message. Now, it, it is a good ad. Uh, bad products often have good ads. Case in point, on occasion you see a good Pepsi ad even though it's a terrible product. But if you actually understand what's happening in our country and you're clued in, the ad is also slightly creepy, like something from an alternate dimension. Because the side that's been stirring up riots, the side that calls the opposition Nazis, the side that says America is systemically racist, white males are toxic racists, uh, the side that's you know hunting down Chris Pratt because of, of uh, he didn't attend a Biden fundraiser, this is, is the side now that we're getting this um, unity and togetherness stuff from. Oh, and the side that, that, that protests the national anthem, tears down our monuments, spits on our historical heroes, chants America was never great, wants us to agree that we all love this country and go from there. 
I wish that were true. I wish we could agree on that. That'd be great if we could agree on that. We obviously can't. I wish everything in this ad were true, but it's not. It's a fable. It's nonsense designed to dupe the credulous and the ignorant. And it just might work, unfortunately. Number four, there's been outrage over a police officer in Miami who apparently was at a polling station in full uniform wearing a Trump 2020 mask. Uh, The police chief issued a statement about it. And then also the mayor of the city held a press conference about the police officer in a mask. We were made aware of a police officer who was wearing a political face mask while in city of Miami police uniform. The department has confirmed that the photograph was taken while the officer was in line to vote. The city of Miami and the Miami Police Department do not support or endorse any candidate for political party or elected office. The involved officer was not authorized to wear a mask with a political messaging, nor was he given any administrative direction to support a particular candidate or political party. His actions have violated departmental policy and he will be disciplined. It's, it's inappropriate. It's a violation of departmental orders. You know, a police officer is supposed to be impartial. So irrespective of who the person was, whatever sign it would have been, um, it would have been problematic uh, and something that, uh, that we cannot condone and we do not accept. And so he's going to be disciplined for it. Now, yes, cops shouldn't be publicly supporting a candidate while at a polling station in uniform, uh, no matter where they are. If they're in uniform, they shouldn't be e- expressing political views. True. But also get a grip. Did a cop's face mask really require a damned press conference? You had to have a press conference over that? And of course, the claims online, this is voter suppression. Voter suppression. How is it voter suppression? They didn't stop you from going to the polls. What are you going to show up at the polls? You see a cop in a a Biden or a Trump face mask and what you get scared and run away. Come on. And I don't blame this cop for doing what he did. Shouldn't have done it. I don't blame him. Their lives are literally on the line here. Democrats like Biden are out spreading the outrageous myth and conspiracy theory that that, that cops are, are hunting and murdering black people. Of course, not true. It's getting cops killed. Democrats also want to defund the police. Biden thinks that cops uh, should have to shoot dangerous criminals in the leg. So they're openly taking the side of violent criminals. They don't care if cops get killed. So instead of asking why this police officer is wearing that mask, maybe ask why he feels so strongly about it that he would risk his career to wear it. That, to me, is the more relevant question here. Number five, finally, um, it has long been known that a sequel to one of cinema's great masterpieces is in the works, Space Jam 2, starring LeBron James, going to be released in 2021 sometime, uh, I assume. Now, I'm skeptical of 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 the sequel already for a couple of reasons. First of all, LeBron James is a propagandist and a phony who casually stokes riots and racial tensions, so that's an issue for me. But also, Space Jam, the first one, was one of the formative films of my childhood, and I think it features some of the most emotional and affecting scenes uh, you'll see in any film. Uh, When Jordan emerges from the the cartoon spaceship at the very end and uh, onto the, 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 the baseball diamond to the sound of R. Kelly singing, after winning a basketball game against aliens who are trying to enslave Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, that's one of those moments in film that sticks with you and molds you and shapes you. Uh, Can the sequel live up to those heights? Well, the synopsis has leaked, apparently. This is from Ben Meckler on Twitter, who's apparently a a director and writer himself. He says, this is a synopsis of the new uh, Space Jam. 
During a trip to the Warner Brothers studio, NBA superstar LeBron James and his son accidentally get trapped within a world that contains all of Warner Brothers' stories and characters under the control of a malfunctioning, all-powerful force named AIG, played by Don Cheadle. With the help of Bugs Bunny, LeBron must navigate through a never-before-imagined world with iconic movie scenes and characters as they reassemble the Looney Tunes to rescue his lost son. Now to get back home, LeBron and the Tunes have to unravel AIG's mysterious plan and win an epic basketball game against digital, gamified super versions of the NBA and WNBA's biggest stars as the entire world watches. That's apparently the, uh, uh, that's, that's the, the synopsis. A few issues here. Number one, the WNBA's biggest stars, do you mean like biggest as in physically? Because the, the WNBA doesn't have big stars at all in any other sense. So that's a problem. Also, mainly this just sounds like a lengthy, elaborate commercial for Warner Brothers and their other brands and properties, which is what it is, of course, and what most big movies are these days. Speaking about Marvel, every Marvel movie is really just a long toy commercial. That's the only reason it actually exists. The Marvel movies, they exist to propagate themselves like a virus, and they exist to sell merchandise. They don't exist to tell stories, which is why they don't really bother with a story. They just tell the same story over and over again. Uh, That's all this movie is, too. But still, looking forward to it. I'll take my kids to it. Uh, that's, That's the excuse I can use to watch it. All right, let's get to our daily cancellation. Today, we're going to cancel birthdays, all birthdays, with a few exceptions, which I'll explain. But the catalyst for this, the final straw anyway, was this tweet from Kamala Harris on Tuesday, wishing herself a happy birthday, uh, accompanied as a gif of Kamala Harris laughing and shaking maniacally. Now, I have to say, perhaps the most Kamala Harris thing in the world is Kamala Harris wishing herself a happy birthday with a gif of herself looking like a serial killer in the middle of an epileptic fit. Now, Kamala is uh, uh, 56 years old. This is a 56-year-old woman fishing for happy birthdays. I wish I could say that she was uniquely perverse for this. I mean, she is uniquely perverse in so many ways, but not for this. I am horrified constantly to find grown adults talking about their birthdays, celebrating their birthdays, throwing birthday parties for themselves. Often I'll, I'll be around someone and they'll drop a hint. Usually the hint is something subtle like, it's my birthday. At which point I'm supposed to, I guess, throw confetti in the air, weep with tears of joy. But instead I usually say something like, oh. And then they, then they just walk out of the room offended and scandalized that I didn't congratulate them for the monumental feat of existing. Because that's what you're saying. Think about what you're saying to a person when you tell them it's your birthday. You're saying, hey, you know, not trying to make a big deal of it or anything, but uh, I, I, I exist Yeah, I know you exist. I can see you. No, no, you don't understand. Today completes another year-long cycle of existence for me. So if you're an adult and I'm interacting with you, I already know that you exist. And I I assume you've existed for several years at least. The fact that the earth went around the sun 42 times since you were born is arbitrary and also uninteresting to me. You may as well run up and demand a party because You've seen 983 squirrels since your birth, or because you just tied your shoes for the 12,000th time. At least tying your shoes is a minor achievement. Celebrating your birthday is to celebrate you regardless of what you have or haven't achieved. I don't know if you've done anything worthwhile in the last year. Why should I celebrate the fact that you've lived all year? You could have even done great evil with your life, for all I know. Think about this. And it should be enough to put birthdays to rest. Hitler had birthdays. Dozens of them. 
So if you're now turning 27, well, congratulations. Even Hitler did that. In fact, I find it rather suspicious that Hitler had birthdays and so do you. What else do you two have in common? Now, here's another thing to consider about birthdays. I believe they're discriminatory in some ways against people in the much maligned, unenthusiastic community, uh, of which, of course, I belong. If you're naturally enthusiastic about things, then other people's birthdays don't present much of a challenge. Someone says, it's my birthday, and you respond, oh, wow, that's amazing, I'm so excited, or whatever it is you say. See, I couldn't even do an impression of it without sounding sarcastic. That's because I am not an excitable person, and I'm especially terrible at feigning excitement about something banal and boring. And birthdays are the most banal and boring thing in the world. And I simply don't know how to pretend that I care, which puts me in an awkward spot. And it's not fair to me. Worst of all is when someone close to you, like a family member, is, is having a birthday or a friend, but they don't live with you. So now you're expected to make the dreaded birthday phone call. Now, as has already been established this week, phone calls are abhorrent in the first place. A birthday phone call, though, that is my hell. That's it. My hell is just birthday phone calls, me making birthday phone calls for all eternity. I never know what to say. The conversation usually goes like this. Me. Hey, just calling to say happy birthday. Other person. Oh, thanks, thanks. Thank you so much. Me. So, uh, you were born 31 years ago, huh? Wow. Pretty wild. Other person. Yeah, yep. Getting old. <laughs> Me. Ha. <laughs> yeah. Birthdays. What are you going to do? Birthdays. Mm. What's that? I'm breaking up. Click. That's basically every birthday conversation I've ever had. And my family's starting to get suspicious about the conveniently timed bad reception that always happens on their birthdays. And just to be clear about something, I don't make exceptions for myself. I don't care about my own birthday either. My wife, my wife cares. She cares about all birthdays. She cares enough to cover me and half the block. And she'll always ask me on my birthday. She'll say, hey, what do you want to do on your birthday? And I'll say, uh, well, I have to run to the dry cleaners. We could do that. Get some Arby's on the way back. That's never elaborate enough. And then she'll give me a really thoughtful gift, something really wonderful and creative and nice. Inevitably, the only gifts I actually use, though, are whiskey, fishing poles, and socks. And that's it. And that's the way my birthday goes. So here's the, here's the, the rule from, from, from here on out. Children can have birthdays. Birthdays like marshmallows and cartoons are really for children mainly. We should grow out of them as adults. But if you make it to triple digits, then I think it's acceptable to start celebrating birthdays again. Unless you start, unless, unless you're still kicking at like 109 or 110 or something, at, at which point, like we get it, you're just showboating now, so relax. And at that point, I think the birthdays have to be withdrawn once again. So from the ages of 1 to 18, you can have birthday parties. From 19 to 99, you may not. Then from 100 to 109, you can start celebrating again. Under my theocratic fascist regime, I will allow anyone in the non-birthday time frame to submit, it, uh, to submit like a waiver along with a $900 fee requesting special permission for a birthday party. I will allow that because I am kind and merciful. But for the most part, for most people, uh, birthdays are officially canceled. We have enough holidays, enough gift-giving occasions. Stop being greedy and selfish. Just wait for Christmas until I get around to canceling that too. Don't put it past me. That'll do it for today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. 
Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. The DOJ moves to break up Google. The FBI confirms Hunter Biden's emails are not Russian disinformation. And a former RNC chairman endorses Joe Biden. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.